Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. My guest today is Bill Ayers, the founder of the Emerald Jenny Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping families to get help for their loved ones through a comprehensive database of recovery resources in Ohio. So, Bill, welcome. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over the past couple of months and really appreciate everything you've been doing and your support for us. Well, likewise, Bill. And, you know, it's interesting that you say the last couple of months, I, I look back, we've only known one another for one month. Yeah. It, it feels like uh, a long, much longer than that. I know. Yeah. I know. So in February uh, 2016, your daughter, Jennifer Emerald Ayers, lost her battle with addiction. On your website, you wrote, she was many things, a chef, an artist, a writer, a designer, loving family member, and a friend. And most of all, she was deeply caring and always willing to lend a hand to someone in need. Sounds like an incredible woman. Can you start us off and, and tell us a little bit about your daughter and tell us her story? Uh, she and I were always pretty well connected. We always had things in common. She loved cars, and uh, so we shared that in common. And uh, she had been in Taekwondo, and she actually had uh, a black belt in Taekwondo and was halfway to her second belt. And that was that was when she was pretty young. So it was always fun. We would sort of battle until you were into martial got, arts as well no oh no. okay <laughs> <laughs> but she was still pretty little i could still hold my own with her but uh yeah and you know at some point in time uh during high school kids change and you know they started hanging out with their friends and uh, so um you know we you know we didn't hang as much together at that at that time but I always found she always seemed to have friends who had more challenges, more challenges than her. And, you know, as a parent, you know, you're always like, you know, why don't you hang out with some of these other kids? But she always seemed to be... Uh, Pulling for the underdog, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, she really was. And I never really understood it. You know, we didn't... You know, at that time, I'm working, she's going to school, and you see each other for very short periods of time, so you don't get into deep conversations about it. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, that that was her. So when did you learn that there was an issue with opioid dependence? This is always a, well, for me, it's a tough subject to talk about because things would occur off and on, but she would seem to get a handle on things. And there was this huge balance between um, when you're out having fun versus when something takes you over the edge. And um, so, and then when she became an adult, uh, it was harder. She never told me what she was taking. Uh, You could just tell. We could tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, via my ex-wife and my daughter, uh, we knew there were issues. The addiction was very, very strong because they were trying to get her into some programs and um, she really didn't didn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. She was a very strong uh, individual. And um, so in the fall of uh, 2015, she moved back to uh, Bay Village with me. Oh. And um, so, it was probably September 2015. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you're too close to something, you may not see it. You might miss it, sure. But Susan, uh, my better half, mm-hmm. uh, she caught on pretty quickly that there there were some real issues there. And um, Can you share exactly you know, some signs there that she, that Susan noted uh, that made her aware that there was a problem with opioid dependence there? Well, we still don't know what the dependence was. We believe she was uh, pretty much on whatever she could get her hands on. She was sort of always sleeping, always kind of tired. And then when she but it varied from day to day. Let's uh, let's go back just a little bit, and, and if you if you could speak to, um, you know, as a as a parent um, having a child who's struggling with substance use disorder, um, can you speak to the challenges associated with finding the right resources for your daughter? This, I know Susan did a lot of yeah, the work. Your wife yeah, did a lot of work on that. Susan, uh, well. Um, she, Susan was doing pretty much all the research. I was reaching out to friends and colleagues in the medical industry. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, so we would get names of places and then Susan pretty much made the phone calls during the day. And, um, the, um, challenge was most of the places are full. Uh, I mean, we start finding there's all these places out there, and these people are working hard, hard to help help people. <clears throat> but, you know, if they were full, either they wouldn't call back, or uh, they, you know, they really didn't get much uh, help in terms of where else to call. Uh, they're, they're just so busy. Yep. you know, trying to do their thing. And so randomly, 
another name here and there would come up. You know, we would uh, check some websites, we'd make some calls, mm-hmm. and then out of the blue, somebody would say, well, did you hear about this place? And we're like, no, you know. So, you know, so Susan, she had a notebook, she was adding it to the list, and she was doing all this stuff. And So a lot of time, much more <clears throat> challenging than what you would expect. You would think you just... Hey, you Google it and yeah. the area that you want to go and bam, there they are. Yeah. And we didn't know what, what we were really looking for. Mm. We, we assumed it was residential type treatment. And so that, w- that was our primary focus. So if, but we had, we began to get a, develop a whole list and made the calls. And uh, that started when prior to her, going into this court-ordered program. And, uh, you know, because they really want you to help find the programs. And uh, so, yeah, it was was difficult. So that experience really inspired you to to do something, to to the basis really for the foundation Um, and, and your website. Is really to uh, go ahead and help uh, people that have loved ones struggling with substance use disorder, help connect them with the resources that they need. That's correct, Greg. We, uh, it was probably about six months later, and Susan and I sat down, and I just outlined in sketch form what our challenges were. And we thought if, if we could find the resources and then just be able to categorize them enough to help people get started. We're, we're not able to help people directly. You know, my background is not in, in that world, but we thought if we could, if, if you could be able to go on a website, pick sort of a location, say male, female, um, residential treatment, outpatient treatment, or these recovery residences, and a few more uh, categories, that if you could pull that up, just click those, and then it would organize a list of, you know, maybe four to six places that you could focus on. Uh, We thought that would have helped us because we spent time talking to people, it was hard to come up with uh, with a list, sure. And um, so we decided that's what we could do. So there was also a component in there, though, of quality assurance. In essence, vetting the resources. Correct. Speak to that. Correct. Uh, vetting could be defined a number of different ways, I think. But our vetting process was we researched. Uh, all the various websites, uh, locating as many treatment options as possible, and then we called them. And each treatment program we called uh, at least two times, some of them three times, just verifying that the information that we're putting on the website is accurate. Uh, and there are plenty of, of uh resources. There's, uh, there's some national resources, some state resources, and 
we just wanted to be able to have, it's usually not the person who's addicted that is doing this, the initial research. Sure. It's the family members. Somebody advocating on their behalf. Yeah. Yep. So as we looked at it, we wanted to provide a resource that didn't focus on medical terms. It didn't focus on, uh, we wanted to keep it as simple as possible just to get people started. And uh, uh, we're finding that the, the medical profession, the courts, and, uh, and the individuals uh, are beginning to use the website. And so our mission now is to get the word out because we're not selling anything. We're, we're doing our little part to help in this, uh, in this challenge we have out here. So you launched your website in June, just 16 months after you lost <clears throat> your daughter. Actually in May, May 14th. May 14th. I should have caught that, uh, which was Jennifer's birthday. Ah, okay. That was a, just a tremendous accomplishment in such a short period of time. What do you hope to accomplish long-term with, with the website and with the foundation? Well, it could evolve over time. When we first started, it was going to be Cuyahoga County. And then Susan was convinced, you know, that the problem doesn't stop at the county line. So she really said, we're going to do Northeast Ohio, which seemed pretty daunting to me. Hmm. Uh, and it was. There, They called probably close to 500 different uh, places. Uh, and... Susan, Jackie, uh, uh, another lady, Pam Wiseman, and Jackie's boyfriend, Cooper, uh, became the primary team for doing the research. And uh, then we brought Aris Keithley on to do the uh, website for us and begin to develop the matrix and we spent a lot of time debating uh, terms and, you know, and how this should look and, and all that sort of thing. And, but the primary focus was trying to keep it as simple as possible just to get them going, give them phone numbers, and give them an idea of what the program is about for men and women. And your continuing to add resources here to the database and extend it through, is it going to extend throughout Ohio? That's our plan. We uh, pretty much made a commitment at the launch that uh, we need to do all of Ohio. And the research has been done on Columbus. It's been done on Cincinnati. It's been done on Dayton. Now it's a matter of beginning the phone calls, going through this process, so it'll be a little while before they begin to show up. But we debated the best approach, but we thought we'd go to the large cities and then begin to fill in the other counties from there. And we set a deadline of next May 14th. So we've um, pulled the team back together and um, we're going to make it happen. And I'm finding... You know, I guess I spent my whole life just 
uh, trying to support the family and and all this sort of thing. And I'm seeing that uh, we don't know what the government's going to do. We don't know what health care insurance is going to do. And it really, to me, almost feels like this grassroots approach that we have to take care of this problem. Uh, we have to do our part to take care of this problem and be of help to people and not hope that somebody else, because we don't know. We don't know if uh, they're going to cut funding. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know it's a problem. And if we can work together, you know, I mean, you and I are so similar in our, uh, how we got here. Yep. And, uh, uh, but we can't control what's happening outside of our world. We can only try and help the people who are dealing with us at this time. So how would people get involved to help with your foundation? Currently, our big mission is just to get the word out. That's our, our biggest mission. Uh, I have been, you know, we were self-funding this, and I've been surprised people are coming up to me and saying, how can I help? And they're donating money. Uh, we certainly will be, you know, that part of it will always be a challenge, and I'm sure we'll have some fundraisers to make sure we can hire enough people to accomplish our mission in the next year. But right now, uh, it's getting the word out. And uh, so we're, that's where we're spending quite a bit of time as well. Uh, because I thought if I created the website, they would come. <laughs> and I'm realizing, you know, there's another component to this, and that is if people don't know about it, it's not going to help. Yep. So. Last question. Yes. What advice would you like to leave for parents with loved ones struggling with substance use disorder? That, for me, is definitely a challenging question. But I think, uh, I think it's all about love and supporting them and realizing that it is a disease and that there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, you have to love. You just love your family or whoever, whoever this is that you're uh, talking with. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, parents will make their own decisions. You know, there's tough love. There's just love. There's, you know, uh, but uh, I, I'm still... I'm not sure I'm the right person to give any advice in that because, you know, it didn't quite go as planned for me. Uh, but I do know, I think the one thing I was thinking about on the way down here was that, you know, I've heard people say, well, I'm done. You know, I'm, whatever happens, happens. Uh, and I've heard that comment. And driving down here, I think, uh, I don't think they quite realize what the aftermath is like. And that uh, I would say just never give up. That's all I can say. We've been joined today by Bill Ayers, the founder of the Emerald Jenny Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping families 
get help for their loved ones through a comprehensive database of recovery resources here in Ohio. My name is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for listening to this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.